I'm so excited to present the Prentice-Scott Uni Uniform, which is a player-led uh, movement that's been developed over multiple generations of student athletes, where unity, togetherness, and a bond of brotherhood, sisterhoods, of all student athletes, of all different sports at the University of Oklahoma can spread their awareness of social injustices while maintaining the positive view of unity together. The Prentice got Unity Jersey, the first African-American scholarship football player to play here at the University of Oklahoma. The academic center is named after him and he constantly talked about unity, unity, unity. We wanted to honor him being the first African-American scholarship football player here. He stood for unity. He stood for doing things the right way. He stood for uh, making sure that you handled academics and football. He was one of the founding fathers that made OU football what it is and gave all the different African-American players that have come through that opportunity. And so we just wanted to honor him when we developed a black anthracite jersey. You learn so much about him. You learn so much about what he went through and experienced and really just paving a way for African-American students to come here and represent Sooners the same way other races are allowed to and do it at the highest level and have love and pride about their university the same way that he did. When you're at the University of Oklahoma, it's a safe place. And when you're on the football team, that's a team that is completely unified to win games, to grow off the field, to just become better men in general. There you go. There's uh, former Sooner Caleb Kelly on the uh, reveal today of the new alternate uniform. Caleb Kelly, former player and the director of Soul Mission. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson here with you. This dropped uh, just over an hour ago. The opinions have been hot. We've been reading them on social media and the text line. What do you think the breakdown is, Travis, of OU fans that love this compared to OU fans that absolutely hate the new alternate uniform? What's the breakdown look like? Uh, from what I'm reading, and I spent a lot of the break kind of scrolling Twitter to see what um, commits are liking it. Colton Vosick liked every single tweet about it. I know he's been liking all kinds of stuff. Um, I know Phil Pachotti. Uh, quote tweeted it. He really likes it. Even former players Nick Benito talking about it. Uh, I do like that Caleb Kelly's actually the one wearing the uniform in the photos. Uh, I, th I thought that was pretty uh, pretty cool. But yeah, I'm seeing probably what probably 80 percent people, probably 85 percent honestly uh, approval rating on these. Maybe 10 to 15 percent. But I think those 10 to 15 percent that I've seen have mainly been ma mainly saying that we're just not playing well enough to care about. Uh, alternate uniforms right now you know what I mean it's 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 very much well of course we've seen it on the text line well of course get new uniforms because they don't like to look like the Sooners I know and I totally get it they they don't absolutely but you know this is something they've been working on for a really long time and at the end of the day if if the players and and the recruits and, and those guys uh like it then I'm, I'm not going to get too worked up about it uh, text line says, hell, I'm up for any change at this point. If new unis help, then change those blanks up every single weekend. Uh, meaning behind them is dope. The uni is fire. Great job. Uh, let's see. Kendall says, Tyler, a night game would be a better fit for the ultimates. Uh, IMO. I, maybe. Th this was always going to be the weekend. At least that's what I was told last hour, Travis, is that 
It yeah, wasn't decided. It wasn't decided today. Weekend. Sure, yes, and you know you didn't really get to control the time of the game all that much, especially after this tough start that you've had. So, yeah, maybe ideally they would have wanted to wear these at night. Ideally, they would want a night game for homecoming this weekend, but 11 a.m. was the draw, so here it is. This this was always going to be the weekend. Yeah, and, and they're here again. If it's a situation where we go lose to Kansas, I'm not sure the next time we'll see them, uh, but but yeah, it was going to be the weekend again. Homecoming. Uh, you want you wonder how many kind of former players will come back because of homecoming, um, and and might do something, whether it's a photo op or anything like that, with the uniforms. Um, yeah, th- this this was always the time, and I think it's a good time for it. Yeah, well, I, it does bring up the question, though, um, and it was it's going to be bad regardless if you lose on Saturday to Kansas because. I mean, people can tell me how much better Kansas is and how good of a football team they are. That's fine, but it's still Kansas, and you cannot lose this game. You absolutely cannot lose this game. But how much worse, if at all, is this loss on Saturday? If not only do you lose to Kansas, not only do you have a four-game losing streak, not only you 0-4 in conference, not only does a bowl game not look likely all of a sudden, but you do it with brand-new alternate uniforms. How much worse is this loss handled now that we've uh, seen what they're wearing on Saturday? Yeah, I'll I'll put it this way. It'll be handled poorly anyways if we lose to them, but I think it will be handled a little bit better if we see a ton of Jaron Kinnick, if we see a, a ton of RSJ. Uh, you know, a, a, a ton of maybe J. Row or Gentry or you know, Jaden Gibson or Javante Barnes. I think if you, I think if people kind of turn their focus to 2023 a little bit, I'm not saying go out and lose every game 49 to nothing. That's not what I'm saying. But I think if people turn their turn their eye a bit to the future, that a I think they'll be happier in general. Uh, but also, um, yeah, I, I think it will impact their general mood based or on the outcome of the game if we go out there and we play you know all the uh you know all the veterans if you will and and for some reason davis bevels be under center or anything like that it's there's going to be nothing even i mean alternates they'll just add it onto the fire of uh fire that burns about a loss by the way prentice scott for those of you that don't know passed away in 2005 uh oddly enough he passed away in uh lawrence kansas So here's a little bit of his background. He became a starter in 1958 at OU, and he set a record of 15.7 yards per carry in the 1959 Orange Bowl, including a 42-yard touchdown run. Prentice Scott is in the Orange Bowl Hall of Fame. Again, uh, starter in 1958 in the Orange Bowl that same season. He had 15.7 yards per carry, which was a record at that time. Um, all Big 8 Conference honors twice, academic All-American. Uh, the Cleveland Browns drafted him in the NFL. He rushed for just under 2,500 yards, had 17 touchdowns in 88 professional games. He is also a member of the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. So he, here is an opportunity for some OU fans and maybe for a lot of college football fans to understand the impact and the legacy that Prentice Scott has at OU as the first African-American player at OU to, uh, to be on scholarship. Um, he got his doctorate degree in 1975 in counseling psychology from the University of Missouri. 
this is a very, very, very accomplished man. He did a whole lot of great things at OU, so um, pretty cool that they're honoring uh, Princess Scott on Saturday with these new uniforms. But, hey, I know everyone's got a lot of opinions on the text line, and we'll get to those shortly, 405-651-3439. But as we quickly turn to this game, you know, Wednesday we normally have the discussion, Travis, about what about this team is concerning? What about Texas is concerning? What about TCU is concerning? What about KU is concerning? Well, oddly enough, it's their backup quarterback who's going to play on Saturday because he is a dual-threat player, and I understand there's been a lot of different quarterbacks that have been, been giving you fits this year, but OU's had a tough time with the dual-threat quarterback, and that's exactly what Jason Bean is. Yeah, and again, this is a this is a guy that, that came off the bench, four touchdowns, um, and the concern, Tyler, is you hate that KU is in a better position than, than Oklahoma is in the quarterback depth, and I, I kind of went on this uh, – you know, talk about the reason we're in this position. Um, it's we had Jackson Dart on campus, we had Jerry Bohannon on uh, on campus, we had um, I think Casey Thompson. If he didn't get on campus, I know we were recruiting him to come to Oklahoma. But all of those people were recruited with the pitch of "Come be the backup, come be the backup. You you, you won't be competing for the job. Come be the backup." Well, all three of those people are now starting in college football. So I wonder if maybe that – you were never going to get a you, – you may not have gotten a, a a bean at Oklahoma, you know. So it'll be interesting. I'm actually looking – obviously the quarterback is going to give us issues, but they've got a pass rusher that is second in the Big 12 in oh, rushing, yeah. Lonnie Phelps. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who they want him on in that matchup, whether that's Wanye Morris, who may or may not be at 100%. He was obviously in a sling when he left the TCU game, played last week, or if they put him up against Anton Harrison and go strength on strength. So we'll see. But Lonnie Phelps is is uh, actually a, a transfer in from Miami of Ohio, and uh, he's been playing some good football. They're an opportunistic defense, I think is what they are, man. Um, they do a great job of getting to the quarterback. Their offense does a really great job of not allowing opposing defenses to get to their quarterback, which is – a little bit worrisome, right? OU's had a tough enough time getting to opposing quarterbacks, and KU's one of the better teams in the league with not allowing too many sacks. So that could potentially be an issue. But at the same time, like KU, you can get yards on them, man. You just can, and a lot of teams have. They're, I think they're ninth in the in the conference in pass defense. Um, there's been some teams that have been able to run the ball on them. I, I mean, just look at their scores so far this year. And they, they faced a, a few good offenses here. But outside that Iowa State game where I think they won 14-11, um, teams have been able to get them uh, offensively. So OU's defense is going to have to play significantly better for OU to win on Saturday. But if Dylan Gabriel is back, I do see a scenario here, Travis, where they can put up some points and they can put up some yards. It, at least they better. They, they, they better be able to do that against the KU defense that surrendered a, a decent amount of points and yards up to this point. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it lives and dies with Dylan Gabriel, right? I mean, if, if, if Dylan Gabriel's healthy, then I don't, I don't see KU holding us under, I don't know, call it 30, would be my guess. Now, if he doesn't play, obviously, that's a whole different conversation. By the way, uh, KU had 540 yards against TCU last week. 346 of those uh, were from Jason Bean at quarterback. So we talk all the time how tough of a scenario it is for a backup quarterback just to go in and play well. 
Well, Jason Bean literally went right into the game and played very well with four touchdowns and 346 total yards. So, look, is is their starting quarterback a better player? Is Jalen Daniels a better player than Jason Bean? Yes, I would be more nervous if Jalen Daniels was going to play on Saturday. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But at the same time, KU is still very capable with their backup quarterback, as we saw as soon as, uh, or, you know, as recent as last year. Yeah, Jalen Daniels, I believe, is fourth in the entire country in QBR this year. I mean, he's he, he's the real deal, and it's unfortunate that he got hurt. You know, he, uh, um, you know, he was putting he was kind of leading that KU resurgence, uh, that Cinderella story that we all were enjoying throughout the year, and uh, that that some people were enjoying on the uh, KREF uh, uh, Royal Rumbler pick'em because man, Kansas was a popular pick and almost a shoe in and everything. Yep. I think that's how Teddy how Teddy got such a lead is he kept on just picking Kansas. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, text line says, it just feels like if OU can score first, hit a big play, or get an interception on defense out of the gate, the whole team will gain a ton of confidence and be closer to the first three games than the last three. Just seems like that's how their confidence goes. Um, let's see. I think unity on every nameplate is cheesy. I just hope unity can make a blanking tackle on Saturday. I'm telling you, there's been more expletives today on the text line than I've ever seen. I'm glad you're getting to experience that today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, they're, they're passionate. That's good. You're supposed to be passionate. You're supposed to, you know, care about uh, you know OU football and and the traditions of it and everything like that. So uh, it's good they got the passion today, Tyler. But yeah, I agree. You know, you can think one way or another on the nameplates. I mean, I I totally get it. Like I said earlier, before we had it confirmed. Um, you know, if there was a word that was going to be on the back that would stay, it would make sense that it's unity. But he brings up a good point. It doesn't matter. Go make a ta- – like, it, it, it. you have to play well in them. You have to win. No uniform has ever made a tackle or missed a tackle. It has been the player. The player has to perform in them. Yeah. Now, look, I, I am definitely of the camp that you should beat KU on Saturday, knowing that this is the best KU team since probably 2007, the team they had that won the Orange Bowl that year. But I, I just I, I want to see small I want to see fundamental improvements from the defense, Travis. That means better tackling. That means doing a better job of getting the quarterback. And you know what else that means? I don't want to see corners in one-on-one spots down the field panic and just tackle a wide receiver and take a 15-yard penalty. I don't know where that's coming from. And as bad as the OU defense has been in previous years, I've never seen it at the rate that we've seen it the past three weeks. But, God, more than anything, what's been frustrating is seeing those guys just panic and legitimately tackle a wide receiver in the end zone like we saw Saturday. Please no more of that. Please, God, no more of that. Yeah, and that's what's weird. They're in position. And and it seems like, I mean, I guess you have to be in some opposition to tackle them, but it just seems like the all-out panic. And what's weird to me, Tyler, is, like I said earlier, if you drop eight, you shouldn't be in just complete one-on-one on an island the whole game. Like, it shouldn't be that issue. Sure, if you're going to rush four again or put four down like it's if you do those fronts it makes sense that they're out there on those islands and they have that panic but theoretically in this defense you should have help like just go and and get your head turned around and i mean obviously easier said than done apparently but yeah just just turn turn the head around for running backs it seems like the the common thing is just break up field instead of keep trying to get to the edge just go north south 
And then for corners, it's just get your head around. If you could give them that piece of advice, I feel like I feel like you would solve a lot of the play. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. But they've got a uh, long way to go defensively, and I think we all realize that just shows some minor improvements on Saturday. And you better show some minor improvements on Saturday if you hope to beat this Kansas team that's going to be rolling in with what a five and one record at this point. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It is the rush on the ref. Keep it locked right here on the Homo Sooner fans. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the ref sports radio network. Your home for Sooner fans. The ref radio sports network has the Sooner State covered. Yo, that's crazy. From Norman to Lawton. Clinton, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and beyond. That's a lot of potatoes. And when you're away, never miss. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers spring you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davison. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar. What's going on over there at Ash, by the way, up there in uh, the 918? Oh, just just kicking it here. Uh, I'm I'm about to... uh... Let's see, only 30 more minutes, and I'll be lighting up my traditional uh, last-hour cigar um, to celebrate the number three in the recruiting rankings, celebrate uniforms, just celebrate uh, the future uh, of OU football. So, yeah, we're just kicking it. Had a few folks uh, just pop in. One, uh, one listener just popped in and offered to help me move. Uh, that was awful nice. Unfortunately, I've, uh, I've got all the big stuff moved now. Uh, I moved yesterday, so... Uh, yeah, d- day late and a dollar short, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it, it, it was funny because I was looking at the uh, the line today, Travis, and I feel like before the year, like a month before the season, heck, if you and I, when you and I were doing the Friday rush back in July, if someone would have told us, hey, by the way, when Kansas comes to town, OU is going to be a nine-point favorite. I think naturally both of us would have said, what? A nine? A nine-point favorite? Oh, my God. What has gone wrong for OU if OU is a nine-point favorite in this game? Now fast forward six games into the season, and I feel like most OU fans are saying, a nine-point favorite? This is the worst line of all time. How is OU a nine-point favorite in this game? This is such a joke. So this is a very, very unique line. It's definitely not what we thought it was going to be before the year, and I think even now, like this line, you're looking at it saying, Oh, my gosh, I'm wondering if they can beat anyone, not just cover nine points. Dang. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a fun thought exercise, right? So uh, think back to when we started doing uh, the rush together. And if I told you, if October Travis traveled back in time and said, all right, Tyler, OU is favored by nine points, what? explain that. What's your final score? Would you have said, man, this defense probably just isn't very close and it's going to be a shootout? Or would you have said – Man, maybe maybe DG's out, and it's it's going to be a you know. I would have guessed Dylan Gabriel. A, Honestly, a, like what I thought this team, win. what I thought this <laughs> team was going to be before the year is clearly way off from what they are now. Um, but the one right. thing that we did say before the year several times is, look, if this team is going to accomplish everything that it feels like they can accomplish, Dylan Gabriel's going to have to be at quarterback. I, I am guessing, man, I would have told you Dylan Gabriel's not going to start the game. That's why the spread's so low. Yeah, no, and 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 that's kind of what we talked about earlier, right? Again, we were wrong on a lot of things. I mean, even through three weeks, we were wrong on a lot of things, but a lot of people were. We, I don't think there's a single person out there that looked at us through three games and thought, eh, I don't know, I think Texas is going to beat us 49 to nothing, right? I mean, 
So with that, with the ascension we thought we were seeing, um, it had to have been the Dylan. That was always the caveat to this season, right? If Dylan's healthy, then we'll do this. Uh, but without without Dylan, well, we weren't really confident with what the offense could do. Now I do like the run games progress nicely, but we definitely yeah. need Dylan if this team's going to win any more games. Yeah, and and now that you've seen life without Dylan Gabriel, um, I, I don't know if you um, if I threw that question your way during locked in today. I I think that he's going to run the ball at some point this year, Travis. I'm just wondering if they're going to scale back his duties in the run game whatsoever because. We have seen what life without Dylan Gabriel is like. And granted, if you lose him again at any point this year, I don't think it's going to be trotting out Davis Bevel or running Braden Willis in the Wildcat. It'll probably be General Booty or Nick Evers at quarterback. But the point remains, you've seen what life looks like without Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Do we see him as much more of a pocket-type passer than what we did before he was injured? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I personally don't, and 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 because – on his designed runs, there's not been a lot of, I don't know, danger involved. I mean, you're looking at mostly keeping it uh, on kind of a, a read option, and usually there's there's space out in front. And keep in mind, he slid. I mean, if I'll put it this way, if 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 Dylan runs and he's taken out by another, you know, egregious targeting hit, I mean. Can can you say at that point? Oh man, we should we should dial back the running because these people are clearly going to get targeting penalties against us. I don't know. I think I don't I don't think you can play scared. Um, and not saying that that's what you're suggesting, but I think I think you've got to just run the offense. It's a violent sport. Things are going to happen. And uh, and yeah, just, just here's gotta, the just reality of it like, too. Like he does. Here's the reality of it too, Travis. You're not good enough as an offense or as a team to play scared at this point. I mean, if you want to if you want to win 6 games, if you want to salvage this season and get to the postseason, you're probably going to have to play pretty aggressive still with your quarterback, man. You know? Yeah, of course. Like I said, unless you really lean on you know, a run game that was still picking up 5.8 yards to carry when they had 10 in the box, you know, against against two defensive tackles that both put, you know, push 350 pounds apiece. Like I think, I think, I think I'm just decently bullish on the run game because I, I think with zero passing threat last week they still looked pretty good, and I think adding Dylan back in, you can really, you can really do your defense some favors as well by continuing to run, shorten the game. You know you've got your top two safeties out. Uh, I know Damon Harmon at the start of the year was not starting, but he had he had really carved out a nice role and was playing some pretty good football. Those last kind of six quarters that we had him, uh, there's a reason that he was, uh, you know, playing over Key Lawrence. So, yeah, I, I think that a heavy dose of the run game, and and if it, it means Dylan's got to keep on a read option every once in a while, so be it. Sorry, have been uh, out of listening range today. Did something happen that bumped OU up to number three in recruiting today? Yes. Uh, a new David updated rank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't. No, no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that, please. No. Twenty four seven Sports updated their player rankings, which virtually means um, some some commits that OU have. They've got bumped up. Uh, PJ Adabare got bumped up in the overall rankings. Colton Vossett got bumped up in the overall rankings. 
Caden Green got bumped up in the overall rankings. I, I actually have the numbers here. P.J. Adabari is now the number 39 overall player in this class. Caden Green is now the number 64 overall player in this class. Uh, Jackson Arnold is still a top 15 player. So the boost that you got from some of your players rising up the rankings. Keon Brown's now a four-star receiver. Um, that bumped you up to the number three overall recruiting class. It's still really close between you, Texas, uh, Notre Dame is back at, uh, what, five, six. There, there's like three teams behind you that are still really close, but the updated rankings shifted things today. That's why. And, hey, it's good news. Right, and it's it, well, it just speaks to the evaluation, um, the great job of evaluating uh, these kids that the staff has done, right? They're, all, they're having fantastic seasons. We had, what, how many Rays? You had Lewis Carter uh, go up, Jacoby Johnson go up, Macari Vickers go up, Sammy Omasigo go up, Caden Green, P.J. Adabari. So you had six players uh, jump up in the rankings, and then two that have now made it into the uh, top 247. Um, yeah, it's again, it just speaks to, speaks to what the staff's been able to do. Um, and you, you keep in mind, you look at a guy like, I think DeAndre Moore comes to, comes to mind. I mean, that's a guy that I know Texas is after, um, but he was a guy that was like, yeah, I'm in the boat, and OU kind of said, uh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure. I think we're going to go a couple different ways. And a lot of people questioned that because he was a guy that was wanting to stick around, but you immediately saw his kind of rankings go down. As far as just an evaluation um, aspect of this staff, they seem to be knocking it out of the park so far, Tyler. Yeah, no, they, they, they really have. Uh, John Arnold says – OU really needs a win. If they look the same as last week, I feel there may be a few players that take Brent up on his offer in leaving the team. Well, I, I think regardless if they win or if they lose, there's going to be a lot of players uh, going into the transfer portal and a lot of players coming from the transfer portal this uh, upcoming offseason. I actually feel very good about that. And a big thing to watch on Saturday, Travis, is like now that you have three losses and Seemingly all of your major goals are uh, unreachable at this point. Do we see the first sign of a real youth movement early in the game on Saturday? Um, that could mean a multitude of guys. I think everyone immediately thinks of a guy like Canick, But I, I definitely think that there's a chance that we could see a youth movement on, on defense on Saturday. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's funny because on my, on my weekly 247, uh, piece, I, I brought up that question. I said, you know, what two freshmen would you like to see get more playing time? Because if I just said, what freshman would you like to see get more playing time, everybody would have the exact same answer. So so I had to, I had to pick two because I already know what everybody's first answer is going to be. But, yeah, I'm excited to get, get some new, new blood in there. Like I said, Kip Lewis did some really nice things. Robert Spears Jennings did some nice things. Uh, I, obviously, it was in – kind of garbage time but you know if you're in the right place at the right time those are the things that take uh, typically a little bit longer for freshmen so I'm, I'm all aboard the youth movement let's let's get these uh let's get these young guys that are going to be in these the system for a few years um a little bit of time and 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 like brent said he's like hey i'll give you recommendations and i'll escort you out and you know it's nothing, it's nothing yeah but love no well, hard feelings well, forget guys like that, who are just going to be in the system for a few years travis how about guys that are actually going to be on the team next year? You know, if I'm right and if there's a lot of players or, you know, players going into the portal at the end of the season um, and, and you can identify who those guys are and you feel pretty good about that, whether it's going to be their decision 
or your decision for them to enter into the portal. Um, I, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time the second half of the season with guys who aren't even going to be on the roster next year. Let's get some of these young guys in because I think everyone's accepted that this year is – this year. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you're not even going to play in the Big 12 title game. You can have one year like this, I think. You can't have two years like this. Cannot, so I, I think at this point, man, you've got to make sure you are doing everything in your power to make sure that 2023 is a much, much better year than what 2022 is going to be. Yeah, you've got you've got it, and and I think Brent knows that. Brent knows the urgency, and I mean we've seen it through you know six games, three and three. You you'd think he was already zero and nine. You know what I mean? So he's seeing the urgency, he's feeling the urgency, um, and yeah, he's going to want to get a jump on this twenty twenty three season as soon as possible. And I'm I've said before many times I'm not a fan of just playing true freshmen right away at the beginning of seasons just because you know. You're excited about their recruiting rankings and whatnot, but you look at a guy like PJ Adabare, like he can contribute next year. Like I believe that Colton Bosick might be able to contribute next year. He's keeps on rising in the rankings because he's pretty new to football, all things considered, and he's going to keep on getting getting better, filling out, uh, and he's he's just causing havoc. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of early early players in 2023. But get this get this freshman. It is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. Go check him out. Still got that those $3 domestics going on over there at Ash? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. You know it. They've got, uh, they've got that. They've got a nice big uh, fancy wine room. They've got um, nice cigar selection. What's nice is it's a really nice place. But it's not pretentious, right? I mean, you got people that are in here comfortable. That's what's important. You know, you don't have to run home uh, on your lunch break and get your uh, get your tuxedo to wear into the wear into the cigar bar. You can come in as you are, enjoy, hang out with us on the radio, and uh, just hang out a bit. So, I mean, we've had so much to talk about today. Mostly the the alternate uniforms discussion, which we'll hit again at the top of the five o'clock hour. But, you know, one of the things we haven't hit yet is there's a report out that D.J. Graham, that's right, D.J. Graham is moving to wide receiver. Like it, love it, hate it, if this report is true, that one of your guys uh, in the secondary is now moving to offense in the middle of the season. Sorry, you broke up right there. Can you say it again? Yeah, like it, love it, or hate it, that D.J. Graham is moving to wide receiver in the middle of the season. Ooh, ooh. Um... I like it because I think it's going to be – I think it's a sign, right? Like, I don't think we need more wide receiver depth. I mean, we've got two very talented transfers. We've got two very talented freshmen. Um, we've got, you know, a bunch of incumbents, that, a bunch of veterans on there. So I'm not sure it's a situation where we just needed to shore up the depth. But maybe they see, maybe they're liking what they see from a guy like C.J. Colden, or maybe they're making room to get, you know, some other corners, some younger corners up uh, to get some more snaps or something like that. Uh, I, I I like, I like it if if not if if anything else, just the youth movement, getting more youth up into that defensive side of the ball. What do you think? Um. Very surprised, honestly. And, and I know that this was thrown out before the year started. And for his sake and the team's sake, hey, I, I hope D.J. Graham rolls over to the offense if this is true and 
he lights it up and makes some big plays at wide receiver. But, you know, wide receiver hasn't been an issue this year. Maybe getting the ball to the wide receivers has been an issue, like the text line pointed out earlier. But the wide receivers as an individual unit, I think for the most part, have been okay. Uh, Marvin Mims is your best player. I think quietly Jaleel Farouk is really starting to emerge as your number two option in the offense. You know Drake Stoops can play. I mean, we can run down all the wide receivers, but you, you get the point here. They've got some guys that are that are pretty good there. It's just hard for me to see DJ Graham going over there in the middle of the season when you're going to have to establish a, a rapport with your quarterback. I, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I hope for his sake and the team's sake that he rolls over there and gets a lot of playing time. I, I'm just wondering how he's going to fit into this offense. I, 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 I struggle to see how that's going to happen, I guess. Right. I, I would. I mean, I would say wide receiver depth is probably our best depth on the entire team. So, adding him over there. I mean, our guys have been getting open. I don't think. I don't think it's been. I don't think he, he's going to get more open than uh, some what some of our guys have done. But again, I think it speaks to more defensively uh, getting some some newer guys a little bit more playing time, and I like that. Yeah, just like the text line saying, I like it because it gives Williams and Rowe opportunities at corner, uh, especially Jaden Rowe, man. I still think he's got a chance to be a really nice player. I mean, he's got the size and he's got the speed wherever he plays at, uh, as a defensive back. He's got a chance to be an impact player. I, I'd like to see uh, a whole lot yeah, more out of him. And, he's, and he played corner in, in high school. I mean, I, like I said, I remember being there when, when he went up against RSJ uh, in the playoffs. That was – that was awesome watching them go head to head because they're both big physical bodies and really athletic, fast guys, everything like that. I don't, I, I would love to have some bigger corners. I would have loved to see him on Quentin Johnson because you've got a guy that's just physically imposing. You know, six four guy. Might just throw J Row out there if he gets burnt. Fine, he gets burnt. But you know, what's the difference between J Row getting burnt? with a guy that he matches up physically with then you know, not getting your head around and tackling him for a guaranteed 15 yards. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, by the way, live football on your TV in 37 of the next 40 days. I repeat, starting tonight, live football on your television, 37 of the next 40 days. You've got Louisiana and Marshall playing on a Wednesday night, October 18th, October 25th, and October 26th are the only three days of the next 40 that you will not have live uh, football on your television, which I don't know about you, and I, I'd be interested to hear the text line's response. Clearly, this has been the most disappointing start to a season that we've seen in quite some point. This has not affected my overall college football watching, though. Like, even after a long day and you get home on a Saturday night and, oh, that postgame show was – Maybe not the most fun thing to do. That was a really stressful OU game to watch. I don't. I don't feel like my college football watching has suffered just because OU is three and three. Are, are you any different than what I am? Yeah, I'm a. I'm a little bit different, um, mainly because, especially, especially after the Texas loss. You know, after the Kansas State loss, it was one thing like, oh man, close loss. How good is Kansas State? You know, what if? You know, this side the other, the Venables defense that seemed, you know, they were only giving up 10 points a game up until this moment. And then Kansas State, you know, comes in, gets a big special teams play, this, that, and the other. Dylan's got to play better, sure. Well, now it's like you watch it and it's like, oh, man, OU. What's wrong with OU? Worst OU team since 98, 96. Well, like it's, 
constant reminder, even though when you're trying to get away part, from it, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what bugs right me. There. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like when you watch game day and they're doing a game in you know across the country, you know, somewhere on the East Coast, and they're like. All right. In the next segment, we've got uh, we've got a special on Caleb Williams and his transfer. I'm like, why? What? What? what like, why? So again, I'd rather, you know. Luckily, I wake up Sunday uh, and get to watch the NFC North leading Vikings at four and one. So I get to I get to watch a little uh, football. Same as you, you get to. Well, not quite division leading, but you get to watch a four and one football team on Sundays as well. Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Sunday night, uh, Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles. No big deal. Uh, Cooper Rush is going to start game. again this week. No, it it is, man. This text says, "With you, Tyler." Although I turn off the halftime and post game shows, so that's what you should do. You should take the advice of this person, Travis, and you won't have to see that anymore. Watch hey, games, but turn off halftime and post game shows because that's where you're reminded what happened previously that day with OU. Right. Now, pro tips on the text line. Appreciate you. Uh, one more. Hate it. Open receivers haven't been a problem this year. DG has been fine except for the TCU game. Sounds like a wide receiver may be headed to the portal. Theo Weiss, question mark. That is an interesting scenario right now or situation with Theo Weiss. Because didn't they basically say that it was like a – it was like their decision why he didn't play on Saturday. I, I'm trying to remember the exact words. Yeah, it's like a healthy scratch. Yeah. Well, my thing is, uh, Marvin Mims was doing nationally televised cardio out there. And, I mean, yeah, you want Theo out there, but you wonder how effective he would have been if we can't get the ball downfield. When you throw for less for four, less than 40 yards, it wasn't like there was an offensive explosion and Theo was just on the sidelines watching every receiver just go moss people all day. So I'm not sure if it had to do more of a game plan type situation. Um, otherwise, but Theo's a good downfield blocker. So, you know, in some of those uh, those Wildcat packages, it might not have been ha- bad to have him there. And that, that actually was brought up by a, a texter from the 405. Could it be that Graham is a better blocker for the Wildcat? Um, I, I don't think that somebody would completely switch positions for a package that I don't think will be used very often. I agree. But I do – I did – I did think that was a pretty good text, though, because, you know, you got to start thinking about that kind of stuff, Tyler. Sure. Is if this is going to be, which, again, I think you and I are in agreement that we would like to see the Wildcat used again because it was effective. And imagine how much more effective it would be if you actually have a respectable passing game and you get that personnel on the field and now you got them locked into uh, having to having to deal with a Wildcat. I mean, I don't know. Um but the we the Weiss, uh the Weiss coach's decision healthy scratch um, type situation is a bit concerning. You like to see you know your best players out there, and he's had a bit of a tough time, man. Yeah, he's he the lone five star from that 2019 class that's still on the team. He had had the foot injury, then he TCU he goes down again, and you know I, I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he sticks it out and. You know, is able to is able to have a great last six games, um, but you know it's got to be tough to be in his position. Coach's decision is what they said. Yes, thank you, Wade in uh, OKC. All right, uh, we'll get to more of those texts coming up next. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Air Comfort Solutions text line. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. More to come next. 
of the Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. And uh, we saw an interesting tweet about 20 minutes ago. Haven't addressed it yet, but from John uh, Rothstein on something with the future of the Big 12 uh, as it pertains to hoops. Yeah, uh, it says sources the Big 12 will play the following league games twice when the conference goes to 14 teams in 2023-24 and 2024-25 prior to OU and Texas joining the SEC. Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are listed, and then you see Kansas-Kansas State, Texas-Texas Tech, Baylor-TCU, Cincinnati-West Virginia, Houston-UCF, and Iowa State-BYU. Uh, we got a couple texts on the text line asking about it. Um, that is, he is a basketball reporter for CBS Sports. I know a couple people had read that as, what, we're playing OSU twice next year? What's going on there? But, no, that is uh, a basketball scheduling model that they've just uh, released. So the only team you'll do a home-and-home with in the new Big 12, if OU is still there, is Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Okay. that's Yeah. Well, that's interesting because the old Big 12 days, you would play a home-and-home with everyone in the Big 12 South. And then you would alternate, uh, you play one game a year against teams in the old Big 12 North. So if you are in the league, I guess you'll alternate years where Texas comes to Norman. You'll alternate years where Kansas comes to Norman. Um, I mean, you'll you'll get to see some cool new teams, Cincinnati and BYU and even Houston uh, coming to Norman will be fun. But, yeah, that'll be weird with KU and Texas not coming to Norman. Every single, I mean, that'll last like one year if it even lasts, but that, that'll right. still be interesting. Right, exactly. So, um, and and that's why Tyler, I always thought that we would leave quicker because it seems dumb to get a scheduling model all figured out and agreed upon and voted on, and then just change it, you know, a year later. But you yeah. know, I digress. Final hour of the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.